You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hi. Hi. We're back. How's it going? It's good. Feels like it was only two days ago last we recorded. That is insane because I think it actually was just two, two days, days ago. ago. It was. This yeah. new recording schedule might fry my brain. I My internal clock is way off. Yeah. I'm like, it's. is it the weekend? Is it a Monday? It's a Monday. It is spiritually, <laughs> culturally a Monday. But it in actuality is a Thursday. It's a Thursday. It's a thirsty Thursday. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers, t- cheers to the freaking <laughs> weekend, Wolfpack. We just need to get through one more day. Yeah, my day tomorrow is going to suck. Well, the first part is going to be really bad, and the next part is going to be pretty... I have a Job day, <laughs> where like the first part of my life is going to suck, and then the second part is going to be all right. Sure. Yeah. Um, I always feel personally offended whenever I see um, merchandise, be it a notebook or a t-shirt that says, Fry Yay. Never in my life. Fridays always are hard. I like Thursdays, actually. Thursdays have always been my favorite day of the week. It's my favorite day to, like, go out and drink. It's my favorite... Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's my favorite day to see my friends. It feels like, oh, you know... There's no sense of like, I have to be having fun, which is how I feel about Saturdays. And then Fridays Mm -hmm. are always more work than you want them to be. So I love a Thursday. And then Sunday... The Sunday scaries. I just sit there and sweat and shake all Sundays like a (laughs) sad chihuahua because I get so anxious. I'm trying to make Sundays my day that I go to the lake. I've decided that's going to be my uh, summer activity. That's very Great Lakes of you. Yes. Sundays are for the lake. I almost said Midwestern, but like we live in the wet Midwest as opposed to the corn, <laughs> as opposed to the corn Midwest. Weirdly enough, I do think that there is also corn here. There is, but it's also well, wet. Okay, I will say that we are from the wet Midwest, like yes. Michigan. I mean, you can't trip without landing a lake in Michigan or like Wisconsin and Minnesota. So Illinois is just by virtue of being on Lake Michigan a little bit where we live. Kind of damp. Yeah, the wet Midwest. Yes. Instead of the corn Midwest like Indiana and Ohio mm-hmm. and those other sad, sad states. I'm so sorry if you live there. <laughs> I actually love the Midwest. I'm, I'm not talking shit. We we love the Midwest. I'm going to buy a beach chair. I want Adirondack <laughs> chairs for our porch. One day. They're so comfy and so hard to get out of. You look absolutely <laughs> stupid trying to get out of an Adirondack chair. You know what one of my favorite um, Instagram posts are is when people go to like whatever boardwalk and they have the giant Adirondack chairs and you just think, you picture people trying to get out of those. Yeah. They're so good. You know what I love, which is like so like hilariously dumb, but the one, the Adirondack chairs where the back panel is, is shaped like, like Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh. They're so cute. Yeah. I've seen like quite a few in the neighborhoods neighboring our neighborhood mm-hmm. and I'm just like it's because everybody here you? is from Michigan it, I think half the population of Chicago is from Michigan, from Michigan. yeah it's yeah. like it doesn't you could be wearing the smallest tiniest block M and somebody will go blue you on the street because the entirety of Michigan's alumni network lives in this city it's true we're very brown <laughs> <laughs> um no we are you mm-hmm. know what we're also proud of our podcast, this podcast, perhaps? the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Welcome to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where we have to do some like you know we gotta we gotta air out our day before we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia, and we're ready to rock and roll. I yeah, I actually am. I'm feeling pumped. I feel like we were low energy last episode, which is a bummer because I really liked the last episode, but I didn't like this episode and now I have a lot more energy to be what negative about it. That's yucky. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We also, we accomplished things today. We brought up our air conditioners. 
I worked a lot. I was work- I worked, <laughs> worked from seven thirty to five. Yeah. Um, I learned a new data entry system. I went on a How run. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes I'm like, God, I just don't have time to do anything. I I, I feel like I'm not that busy, and then I have days like today, and I'm like, No, oh, I'm lucky <laughs> to have time to sleep. Oh, I did laundry too. I was productive. Yes, I bought. Did coffee. I fold the laundry? <laughs> no. 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 Will I sleep on it later because it's on my bed? Maybe. Maybe. There, the the amount of notebooks and detritus that's on my bed right now, embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> we need to. We'll deal with it later. We need to do some like Marie Kondoing. I think. Yes, um, the gospel of Marie Kondo. Just get getting rid of shit. Get rid of shit unless I it brings you joy. Gave away two books yesterday. Did you put them in the in the neighborhood library? I sure did. One of them was gone today, and the other one was still there but i haven't read that one so i have no idea i'm a hoarder i take stuff and then i forget to read it mm-hmm. although i'm keeping the plays i'm never putting those back no those are too useful to my life but the fact that there's always plays in our little like neighborhood library is crazy always books about acting and it's always in the same little free library and i'm like who lives who lives on the here? street and did you give up <laughs> i mean like i also have like a, a litany of acting textbooks that i never look at so i get it but mm-hmm. I'm not going to get rid of them. How would people know I'm an actor without me mentioning it every five minutes? This is how I feel about almost every book I've ever brought into my life. Fair. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, so we are talking about the third episode of season five. Good segue, Christian. The third episode of season five of <laughs> Dean Wolf. And it's called Dreamcatchers. Yeah, it was directed by Russell Mulcahy. King. Um, and it was written- very dark. You just couldn't see a goddamn thing. No. Um, and it was written by Talia Gonzalez and Bissan Masood, um, who have both written for iZombie and Hawaii Five O, the reboot, not the original. I figured. Yeah. People liked iZombie. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about Hawaii Five O, but I think they're... people also <laughs> like it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not tuned in. But truly, like, what is not to like about Hawaii Five O? It's a cop show set in Hawaii. Yeah, I, here's the thing about copaganda. Is that it's copaganda? But it's also entertaining like i well here's the thing as a person who's you know a critical examiner of the media i consume thus the teen wolf podcast i think that i can watch some svu and also be like i don't agree with the way that this portrays cops yes uh conversely i have just never been able to finish um brooklyn 99 you just gave up because you were like i I can't keep doing it i can't can't keep keep making (laughs) excuses for them nope We'll talk, we're going to talk about copaganda a little bit in this episode. A little, little bit. But before we get there, we do have to do our 60-second recap, which you are going first on, thank God. My notes take up my entire page. At one point, I was like, I haven't seen a single part of this episode because I can't stop writing. Yeah, mine, um, I started using a new pen, and I'm very used to pens with very, very thin points. Um, and this, I just, it looks so cluttered. So we'll see how well I do. Well, at least you have good handwriting. We mentioned last time that my handwriting is illegible on a good day. It's basically Morse code, but op- but vertical. Uh, my handwriting is fake cursive, fursive, if I you will. I feel like most people's is fursive. Yes. Like, I feel like you actually can't be productive at writing if you're not doing a little bit of like elision. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're one of those nursing majors who have different colored pens and you write straight up and down. People who bullet journal. Mm. Wolfpack, do you bullet journal? I journal journal. Bullet journaling, it's too much 
for me and my brain personally. We just talked about all the shit that we got done today. If uh, part of my day was supposed to be bullet journaling, sorry, I missed it. I had a lot to do. <laughs> um, anyway, we're stalling. We gotta get. We gotta get through this. This what is going to be a rough go. Although last week was rough for me. Last week, this week earlier, ooh, new oh. was rough for me. So maybe I'll be on the up and up. All right, Julia, are you ready to give us our sixty second recap of this episode? Absolutely not. Oh, well, I'm going to do it. I hate to break this to you. Uh, too late. One, two, three, go. Okay. So the Sheriff Solinsky is going on a date um, and Donovan threatens to kill him because he's like, you're not going to put me in prison. Um, the prison van driver has a quote unquote heart attack and crashes the van and Tracy shows up um, with her cannon of venom and Donovan, run- Donovan runs away and she kills her dad. The dread doctors um, show up to drill a hole in Donovan's head. Scott and Styles are um, in the Jeep and they figure out that Brayden has sent them some more info on the desert wolf and she's killed a bunch of people. The girls are giving Malia a driving lesson and Leah- Lydia's banshee powers kick in and they go in a find the prison van crime scene the sheriff scans scott after donovan and uh theo is also there scott catches up to donovan really quickly and he tells he tells them about tracy mason is like really thrilled to be part of the inner circle except that he's not really part of the inner circle but he's there and he's just like so overwhelmed by the supernaturalness and the sheriff is interrogating donovan um liam is telling Scott that Tracy is actually in school and pulls a fire alarm to get everyone out. Hayden is trying to help Tracy and then she hallucinates that Scott and Liam are the dread doctors and she tries to warn them and she passes out with her silver sharpie. They take her to uh, Deaton and they can't figure out what's wrong with her. Oh, I hate to break it to you. (laughs) I did not even get to the second page of my notes. This was a jam-packed episode. It felt... It was so plot heavy and it was kind of thinking about some of my issues with season five and it feels like everything has so much to explain. Like the plot is way too dense that you don't even get sort of moments of like levity or even because I think that like episodes do require a little bit of filler, you Mm -hmm. know? Which is good. Personal moments like and that's why when the girls were in the were doing driving lessons, I was like, this is great. And then when Lydia and Kira had their moments together where they're in Tracy's room, I was like, oh, we might see some, like, girl friendship. And then we were like, we didn't really. It was all about the plot. Yeah. I mean, well, the point of filler is to just, like, give you a little bit of breathing room with characters that you like. Yeah. Um, because if you're always just, like, worried about what's happening to them, you don't get to, you know, revel in their existence, which is the point of filler. Yeah. So, um, we shall we shall see it, just, it pads out the internal life of our characters and we're seeing so little of it mm-hmm. right now that i'm like come on well you know what i find weird about your point about um how everything needs explaining is that this season really feels like it's building on previous lore um you know like chimeras are a mix of all of these creatures that we've, we've always heard about um and that we've learned more about throughout teen wolf so it feels like we don't need to be getting that much more information but they've introduced so much new stuff that it's not meshing yeah, the way that it ought, like the chimeras. It's also interesting to me that, that it's already having this problem, and this is a season that doesn't have two plot lines like four does. Yeah, which I've always thought was part of the problem. Mm, yeah, I could use something else. I could use a little bit of Peter. I could use some Chris. Yeah, I miss Peter. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ian, now Ian that Bowen, come on the podcast. We want to hang out with you. He, you seem like a delight. Christian, are you ready? <laughs> to, to it is actually it is legit funny to ask because I just sound like a, a, a goldfish out of the bowl when this happens. You're like, meh, no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, ready or not, you have one minute on the clock starting right now. 
Okay, so Donovan is having, like, being processed legally at the station, and his lawyer shows up, and then Silencey's getting ready to go on a date, and then Donovan threatens to kill him, and then he gets put in a prison van, and then that van gets attacked by Tracy, um, and then Donovan runs away, and they find Donovan, and they're like, he killed his lawyer, but then they realize it was Tracy, and then um, uh, Styles tells Scott that the Desert Wolf is, is coming, and then um, the sheriff, like, suspects Donovan at first and asks Scott to go after him, but it wasn't him, and then the uh, pack, like, does a, a, a group hangout and Mason is excited to be part of it and they're like yeah you need to calm down dude and then Parrish tells the sheriff um that uh oh uh, Tracy killed her psychiatrist because she's on the strict rampage and then she shows up in uh history class and they realize that like she's something's really not going on so Liam pulls a fire alarm and they get her out and they bring her to Deaton's and then they realize like Kira and Lydia are investigating in her room and they realize that she's actually still asleep and so uh Brett and Mason and Liam are looking for the necklace that uh um that Tracy like realizes that they've realized Tracy lost and they're going through the holes and they can find it oh my god this was a jam-packed episode. I feel like I can't even be mad at myself for doing as bad as I did. Yeah. We learned so much. That <laughs> we personally know. Um. <laughs> the, in theory, in theory, we were supposed to learn a lot. And then also nothing at all because nothing gets resolved. Nothing. Okay. Do you want to catch us up on what we missed? Sure. Um, so they try to figure out like who Tracy belongs to pack wise and Brett's like, actually, we have no idea who she is. Um, they take her to Deaton and they put sat down some mountain ash and she mysteriously is able to cross it, but not before her canama tail whips out of her spine. Brilliant. Disgusting. Gross. Horrific. And um, Lydia and Kira f- figure out that Tracy is going after um, all of the people who tried to help her because she is still having a night terror. So she's going after Natalie. Um, and it turned out that Natalie and the sheriff were the ones who were going on a date. Which is great because they so, are married in real life and have been since the 80s. Which yeah. is like, love wins. Love wins, bitch. Um, and Malia is the one who's able to get away um, after having been scratched by the cannabis venom. She almost kills Tracy and then decides not to. Thumbs up. Progress Woo-hoo. for Malia. Um, Empathy. But the dread doctors show up and they're like, her condition is terminal. And Tracy vomits a whole bunch more mercury and dies. Yeah. Okay, not to be parasocial, um, but if I could be in the Ashby family, I think I would be happy. <laughs> is it, this is because I showed you a picture of them with horses. Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. It's not even really, it's not even about them. It is about the horses. So I could be, this could be about <laughs> any sort of ranch people. There was a, a magazine cover um, that I did not show you because we had already paused the episode too many times, but it was like Lyndon Ashby, cowboy on and off screen. And he's there with his like hat and his horse and his, his watch shirt. Oh, uh, one of our listeners actually uh, suggested that I watch a horse show on Netflix. Um, so I'm going to, I'll hopefully get to it eventually and, and report back. And yeah. let you know, if there's any, if there's any other horse girls in the wolf pack, I'll, I'll watch it with you. Cool. Cause that guy's in it. Yeah. Freddie Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> that'll be the next podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of reality, which is not all it seems, um, for us. A lot of rules of like what has been established in the Teen Wolf reality have been disrupted. Out and out broken. Yeah. Um, we are, um, our characters are sort of being faced with reality in new ways. Um, and some are obviously being faced with unreality so 
We have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a lot of characters in this episode. So if we don't get to them all, it's not because we didn't want to talk about them. It's just yeah. that we maybe forgot. Yeah. Let's get the sort of non-players out of the way in this episode. So it's funny because this is one of those episodes where like Scott and Styles don't do anything. No, they <laughs> they get the Canama of Venom and they're down for the count. Yes. Um, but everybody else is doing detective work. Yeah. Which is fun. It's interesting to me, if only for the fact that they sort of uh, take a step back from the normal reality of the show, which is that they are in every scene and the main characters and they're sleuthing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because they are trying to actually, in some ways, um, Scott at least, is like rejecting reality a little bit. Like when he's in bio class, he's like, no, Liam, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come help you. I have to do the reading for bio. And it's like, your life is never so simple, Scott. No, he just, he just wants to be able to do the reading for bio, Mm -hmm. but he can't. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. And I think that he's also struggling with the fact that Styles is kind of living in an unreality right now. Styles is so, so hung up on his paranoia about Theo that even when the police call that they get when they, or when Scott comes back and he finds Donovan, he's like, he was freaking out. He kept saying this name. Styles is like, it's Theo, it's Theo. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't even really wait for like anything to be confirmed or for reality to set in. Mm-hmm. And then it's like completely shocked when it's Tracy. He is living in his own world right now. Um, which we've seen Styles get hung up on before. I find it slightly out of character that he can't be pushed in any direction right now. Yeah, he seems... It, it's very much like a dog with a bone kind of situation. And it, I think, is supposed to make a little bit more sense to the audience because when the camera pans out from that scene, we do see that Theo is, like, overseeing this damage, basically. And that, you know, we kind of get a sense that he maybe had something to do with it. He's connected to it in some way. So I think we are, as an audience, supposed to be like, maybe maybe Styles is really on to something here. But he is so... Um, dogged about this and not in a way that is recognizable. I mean, I think it's really hard to sort of believe fanatics. Yeah. Even if you do have your doubts about Theo, there is something about the way that Styles is, is, is internalizing the information he's gathered about him and his own biases, which are correct, obviously, because Styles is a smart cookie. But again, his sort of... Um, uh, like performance of his feelings is making people feel like there's something like he's not connecting to life in the way that he should be. Mm-hmm. Which again, is that out of character? Do you think that's out of character? I think kind of. And I mean, I don't know. I really have been sitting here um, the last two episodes trying to pull this back to his experience um, being in like the Nagitsune's head um, where he didn't know what was real or what was going on, um, and he had, like, no memory, but then it's like, it, are you part of the Nagitsune, or are you not? Like, what's evil, what's not? Um, and he has been so reckless, and he's also been trying to really, like, make up for that. But I think we've kind of moved past that, so if that was kind of the excuse for his fixation on Theo, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, I also think that that is a failure on the part of Teen Wolf, and, like, this is another thing, like, Teen Wolf not burying their dead, these characters like you know experience 
unforgettable trauma. And mm-hmm. then it seems to always be forgotten the second the season regenerates. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if all of a sudden, like, if all of a sudden Styles' recklessness and paranoia of last season had a conversation with Scott being like, dude, is it because of what you went through? We wouldn't be thinking that this was out of character. And us being like, well, maybe it was the no gets an A. Maybe it was ha- what was happening last season. But that's sort of generous of us, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Well, and especially um, when you try to compare it to Scott's ultimate transformation um, transformation into the berserker, you'd think that Styles... Scott's transgender? That's amazing. What a way to look at the show. <laughs> um, oh my... I People totally have reading... I also think that there's like an element of like, especially in like transformation of like being that there's always that element you know with werewolves in general yeah oh absolutely um but you would think that scott's experience in becoming a berserker that styles would be able to empathize with that and that they're that they would be providing support to each other but they never talk about it which is again out of character because they're like styles can sit here in the car and be like I am anxious. I feel anxious and I know you can smell it because I know you check up on me. And it's like, if that's only happening off screen, then I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it really does feel like these characters are on separate planes of existence in this season. And we don't know why. Yeah. Because the only other person who's brought up b- berserkers is, is Mason. Mason. <laughs> and it's because it's brand new information and everyone's like, get used to it, dude. And it's like, you didn't know about berserkers until only slightly before he knew about them. And to be fair, they are legitimately terrifying. Terrifying. And they used to be humans. They're not like normal monsters. Like all monsters used to be humans, but like they are no longer human, which makes Thanks, them... Thanks, Jessica Lang. Um, which makes them really different from all of the American other monsters. American Horror Story podcast. But only the first only three seasons. Only the first three seasons. <laughs> They're the only ones that count. Uh, my brother was joking about, uh, you know, whatever our next endeavor is. And he's like, mm-hmm. you should just do the only the good seasons of shows. He's like, you do the first season of True Blood and the first three of Vampire Diaries. And I was like, the- that is insane, <laughs> like incredibly cruel to um. do. <laughs> we could not do that. That is so mean. It's so mean, but it would be really funny. And it would make people really mad. I'm not here to be incendiary. No. I mean... I am. A little but, bit. But, like, my incendiary takes are like, I don't ship steric. And if that really sets you off, like... Okay. Speaking of reality, Ooh. let's check back in, my <laughs> friends. Um, let's move on a little bit. I do want to talk um, about Mason, Brett, and Liam as a unit because they kind of fulfill the, the same roles. And this Liam has a little bit of other um, experiences in this episode. But... Primarily what we're experiencing is that like Mason's new reality is very new. Liam's reality as a werewolf and Brett's reality as a werewolf are very differently different. So we're kind of at like a weird synthesis point where they all have to work together, all believing different things about everything. Yeah. I wish we had more scenes with them. I know. I thought they were so fun together. Um, first of all, Mason should have dated Brett. Mason. I maintain this. I think his boyfriend's name is Corey, right? I think so, yeah. Um, I would know that if my brain didn't just <laughs> reject season five. Um, I think that would have been fun. He's clearly into him. And, and Brett says something about like how Tracy's cute. And I was like, mm. just make Brett gay. Who cares? Brett, you he, are gay. He can be bisexual. I don't yeah. Care. There's not enough bi representation in Teen Wolf. Or in general, but especially in Teen Wolf. There's that one girl whose girlfriend dies. They had to fridge a lesbian to have one bi character. And I'm like, Scott McCall has two hands. hands." (laughs) And the Isaac Allison Scott Thruple would have made the show revolutionary. Sky, listen. 
There is no. It's is there an actual? There ship is a name? ship name. Yeah, okay. it, was, it was popular back in the day because every because everybody was like, I see it and I perceive it as truth. <laughs> Speaking of reality, true. Um, People are gonna be like, you don't ship Steric, but you ship the Isaac <laughs> Allison Scott thruple. Yes, it's shipping. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you reason. want. But you want to know what? I have textual evidence in the form of gifts. <laughs> for Allison Isaac Scott that I do not have for Steric. Someone's going to send them to so, us. Someone's gonna, also, again, ship what you ship. Ship what you ship, but also in Teen Wolf, you ship what you get. Exactly. Um, but back to... Back to whatever the hell. Liam, Mason, uh, and yeah. Brett. Mason is... And this is actually, I think, a really sort of good point in this episode. He is excited and fascinated in a way that is very alienating to everybody because they understand just how serious these situations can be. You know, Mason wasn't with them in Mexico. No. Um, and he wasn't with them for any part of any season previous and doesn't know, like, you know, I don't, I think about this, like, how often does Scott mention Allison? Like, the fact that they lost, like, one of their best friends. Not nearly enough. Yeah, don't bury your dead Teen Wolf. We get it. Um, but he is just sort of giddy. In the way that Styles was in the first season, which makes a lot of sense because Styles didn't really understand the weight of what was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, it's really interesting to see everybody be sort of upset with him. From For Mason is living in this new reality that he's experiencing sort of with rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is like, could you get with the picture? Our reality is a lot darker than that. Why are you in the inner circle? Well, and they very expressly say that he is not in the inner circle and it's not supposed to be me. And I think Liam is still just like, you don't know what's going on and so you shouldn't be in the inner circle because you'll get hurt. Um, and this is thinking like, way 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 far ahead um but mason ends up being the beast yes yeah and so the fact that like he is confronting this new reality with like having absolutely no conception of the fact that he is going to be or is already a part of it yeah like he doesn't even have all of reality laid out in front of him despite this massive revelation that he's just had yeah and, you know, it's also kind of clear to me that Mason's real, not Mason, Liam's reality has been very insular in the way that he's like, well, like, totally, you know, he kind of buys in like, yeah, of course it could have been Satomi who changed Tracy. And Brett has to be like, after the Deadpool, you think we're going to bring more people into our lives who could be ripped away from us? Do you think we put more people in danger like that? And like, that's not the dialogue, even though that would have been better dialogue, but that's the implication, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Um... And, oh, Liam, Liam is really stepping up in this episode. He's really growing into the role of being Scott's beta. He brings him little reports. He tells him that Tracy's in school. They do that really fun whisper thing um, in biology class. Oh, yeah. It's literally, this is so funny. (laughs) Right before, um, like, Scott pointed to his ear to tell Liam to whisper to him, I was like, oh, I miss when they used to just talk across the room to, like, get the werewolf's attention. And they did it. And I was like, huzzah. Huzzah. I love a teen wolfism. It's funny. Scott Mm -hmm. being, like, pointing to his ear is me 24-7 in the time of corona because I cannot hear you wearing a mask. (laughs) If I can't see your face moving, I have no idea what you're saying. Maybe you're doing a little bit of lip reading. I think I do a lot of lip reading. I actually think that the pandemic maybe alerted me to an auditory processing (laughs) disorder, but we're not getting into that. (laughs) No, because we can now um, have our masks off outside. Well, we are both vaccinated, so so we can have them off 
inside with our vaccinated friends. All of all of our friends are vaccinated. Yes, but in yeah. stores, I'm just like, I don't want oh anyone God. to think. I might just wear a mask in Target for the rest of my life. Especially on public transportation. I'm never not wearing a mask. We haven't on talked own. about Corona in a while. No. This feels like a return to form. Um, literally last week, I was sitting on the train going downtown and there was a woman who got on. She had a mask. She was smoking a lit cigarette. Cool. Not a vape, a cigarette. I'm actually kind of like into that. That feels like she time traveled here from the 80s. <laughs> so bizarre. And this, the guy who was sitting across from me was like, I thought he was staring at me. No, he was not. And he got up and left and I didn't realize it until I started choking. Hmm. So, but anyway, always wearing a mask from now on. Um, I love those pictures from like early pandemic of Ben Affleck smoking under his mask. <laughs> Yes. Okay, I want to know who does his PR because I've never seen somebody do less enthusiastic pap walks that frequently. The number of like weird, weird shots that they have. I am literally always thinking about the Anadarmus cutout in the trash. I know we don't do celebrity gossip on this podcast, but yeah. But also, now- all of the pictures of him picking up Duncan. <laughs> I, no, but no I feel contact that, delivery, Duncan. <laughs> I feel that spiritually in my soul because I too love Duncan. You know, I'm a Tim Hortons person. Mm. Anywho, moving on. Um, I I think that the sort of like three intersectings of three separate realities is very interesting um, from that perspective. And I would have loved to get more scenes. Also, love that Mason was the one to fall in the hole. He didn't announce it, but it was cute. <laughs> very cute. Oh, about the the him falling in the hole. That also kind of disrupts Liam's reality because we realize it's a different hole, which is just so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you don't really expect to see, you know, it's not Camp Green Lake. It'd be weird <laughs> to fall in more than one hole like that. Yeah. And But the way that they film it, and I don't know if this... Um, if it actually was grave shape, but it kind of looks like they were just dropped in straight up and down, like standing up. I think that was the idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're little pod people and they come out of the, gra- it's just so funny looking. It, it, Cause it's less about burying dead and more about like planting life. Right. I guess so. Again, giving Teen Wolf credit. Actually, the... I'm sure that was actually the idea. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been, you know, shallow graves would have been a little bit, not, yeah. not the way. Let's talk about Lydia and Kira. Hmm, yes, the girls. Lydia is always experiencing an other reality from everyone else. She is on a different frequency. Can I just say, good girl episode. I didn't love that we didn't get as much sort of like fun, like bonding moments. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that only because we've been so depraved of them previous in the series. But we, I joked to you that it's rare that the, the show passes the Bechdel test in the first 10 minutes. And drive, <laughs> Driver's Ed was a great scene. It was oh, really yeah. cute. But you know what I thought about? How like it's Millie in the driver's seat and Lydia in the passenger and Kira in the back. And I was like, Allison should be there. Yes. that That's why I think the girl... Um, scenes feel so special because you know Allison was Lydia's best friend yeah and and again we have we have talked about this ad nauseum um but to to see them all together it is a reminder of like the power of female friendship which is not really what Team Wolf is about but it's what I feel deeply in my heart no but if if ever there is a reboot it should be about the power of female friendship in fact yes. if you could get as few men in the cast as possible of a Teen Wolf reboot I'd be there for of it. a Teen Wolf rewolf um <laughs> Well, first, call my agent. I'd love to be a part. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it would be great, right? Yeah, it would be amazing. And Um, also way more honoring of the fan base, which is 
you know, women, women, I just think that women, just think that women, um, yeah. So having all of the girls together really, I think highlights the absence of Allison where you don't necessarily have to talk about it. Um, and it, it's so sweet that they're like taking it upon themselves to teach Malia how to drive. Yeah. It's adorable. And, um, both girls, well, all three girls yeah. get to use their supernatural powers in this episode. Yes. We haven't seen Kira do anything this badass in forever. Too and long. she is so powerful. I mean, just like incomprehensible to the point where she can't even control it and then has to go away for whatever reason. Arden Cho. Justice we for Arden Cho. You. Yeah. Do you want to come on the podcast, Arden Cho? We would love to have you. Um tweeted her. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that there is a really interesting place and it's maybe even sort of mirroring the, the Brett Mason Liam dynamic of like Mm -hmm. all of the girls are experiencing life in a totally different way. Malia is, I almost want to say she's taking a step back in her sort of like empathy challenge, her empathy speed run. (laughs) Well, you know what I find so interesting about that is that um, Malia, I think, is the person who has had to deal with the most reality shift, um, with the possible exception of Lydia. Um, But because Malia fully was a coyote for eight years. Yeah. Was just a coyote. And now that she um, is reintegrating into human society, her coyote rules don't apply. And I think old habits really die hard. Mm-hmm. I think that even though she's growing and maintaining strong relationships with people, like I think this is like probably the healthiest her and Styles relationship is, um, is at the beginning of this season. I agree. Um, it's really hard, especially when it's people outside of the pack to decide that they are worth it when they could hurt you because that's like jungle rules, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of, um, eat or be eaten. And she is insistent on being like, well, we could just kill Tracy. We could just kill her. And it's like, you're not living in the reality of society right now. You are so pulled back into like whatever, you know, led you to those feelings of when you were living in the woods Mm -hmm. that you are having a really hard time breaking through to how you have been living. Um, and styles is not as, is usually like, no, we don't kill people. And he sort of is like, yeah, I mean, like Tracy could kill us, which feels really fucking out of character considering last season, all of the work he put into being like aiding Millie and her transition, which was definitely um, a moment of growth for styles. Because if we look back, um, he's not Mr. Helpful. No, he's not Mr. Helpful. And he very much is, um, if he thinks that the solution is to kind of, you know, whack someone, he'll say it. Yeah. And so his um, working with Malia was kind of like also his empathy journey. Like they were on it together. People have reached out to us multiple times saying that they like don't think that Styles is actually the best friend to Scott. Mm-hmm. And... I- I mean, I've done so much work to sort of omit this season from canon in my own, like, happy, good Teen Wolf in my head, where yeah. everything is sunshine and rainbows, that this, you know, as as out of character as I feel it, it might be the fact that I have, have internalized Teen Wolf that way, this season kind of proves that it might be right. That you might be right, or that, that they, they might they be right? right. Um, I always find it so interesting when people um, get in touch with us about that, because I don't always think that they are the best friends to each other. Um, and 
part of that to me really does seem like a, a teenage friendship kind of thing. Um, especially like in the first two seasons, Scott very often is not a great friend to Styles, And I think that's kind of growing pains that you go through with someone um, that you've been friends with for such a long time because you're an adolescent and you're growing into a human adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and Teenagers be mean. <laughs> teenagers be mean and people have falling outs. Um, and it's, but it's really upsetting, I think, yeah. to us to see um, that relationship between Scott and Styles start to fray like this because it disrupts our reality of what we think the show is. True. Back on theme and back to our actual discussion, which was about the girls. <laughs> um, you know, as I said, Lydia is always experiencing reality to the left. She taps into a completely different plane of existence. And in as much as I find it indefensible to be like, yeah, I think a 24-year-old could date an 18-year-old. I understand why Parrish and Lydia connect on that level. Um, and Kira is right now experiencing reality on a, a level that... When she her box fire shows up in this season, it is something that we have only ever seen in pictures or through Scott's eyes. It has never been visible to the naked eyes. Clearly, something is consuming her. Mm-hmm. You know that's terrifying. She has to reevaluate the fact that like both her existence as a fox is like self and other. Yeah, and to try to you know reckon those factors would be very difficult. And like I think her, we talked about this like last episode. Her perception of identity is going to be warped. Her perception of reality is about to be major warped because, yeah, like Scott becoming okay with being a werewolf, most of it was about learning to control the thing that, like, control your power. It's very clear that, like, Kira isn't afforded that opportunity by the virtue of the creature she is. Well, I think there's something to be said about the fact that, um, you know, every, every culture, I think, has, like, werewolf legend or uh you know vampire legend and in the u.s certainly we're very familiar with those monsters and those tropes um but a kitsune is something that is very and i don't want to say alien because you know it's very much a real concept um but mason even says i don't even know what that is like there is no foundation I did not, definitely did not know what a kitsune was before watching Teen Wolf, and that says a lot because my brother is a weeaboo. Yeah, it really does, I was going to say. Hi, Griffin. He's Uh not really. I mean, he kind of is. There's nothing wrong with it. There is. Mm. No, here's the thing. There there is, (laughs) you know when you meet real freaks, he's not that. (laughs) Griffin is great. (laughs) Love him. When was the last time you met a real freak? Oh, I think that lady smoking a cigarette on the L was your real freak of the week. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, in point, um, she exists alone because, you know, Malia's powers aren't any different from Scott's. Her wear coyote-ness, we never actually see a different... She doesn't even have different face makeup. It is structured the same way the wolf makeup is done when she's in full form. And we don't... I don't think we see her, tr- like, transforming back into a coyote at any point that I can remember. Yeah. And then like Lydia sort of has like the silent affliction. Mm-hmm. Kira is going through basically having to, to face reality on her own. And like, that is, I mean, Lydia and bears witness to it. There was a moment of like very much shock when, you know, she bursts into flames. Um, but it is also sort of isolating because it's like no one can help you for and forever. Nobody could help Lydia and really, really nobody could help Malia. Why? 
Hold on. Hold on. I have a thought. I have a thought about <laughs> um, gender. It really feels like the women can't have allies. They are so other and cool girl that nobody can understand them in the way that like Scott and Styles can understand each other. We didn't even get half of that with Allison and Lydia. And even though we both know and internalize them as being best friends, it was never demonstrated in that way. And when I say there's no filler in these episodes to include relationship building, we need to be like cognizant of the fact that they have done no work to establish a relationship between Kira and Lydia, other than the fact that they're all friends and very little work in like including Malia in bringing her in from where she was in the woods and even Nikenhouse into this pack. And that is why, it is so frustrating to watch them not have any fun scenes together. The closest we get is driver's ed and it leads to a dead body. And there are so many fun scenes between all of the boys. That mm-hmm. feels like a serious misstep. It's, and again, not honoring of your fan base, which does have a lot of men in it, but I also know was a lot of teenage girls. Oh, I very much agree with every point My that, rant? <laughs> that you're I'm, making. I'm done being angry, except I'm totally not. <laughs> I'm here to stay. Well, when I think about the boys, right, the boys are all either human or werewolf. And, you know, having Kira and Lydia, and to an extent, um, Malia, because she's a were-coyote and that somehow distinguishes her, they're like one of a kind, at least in Beacon Hills, because Meredith is no longer around. And I think about other examples of one the last of one's kind or, the, or one of a kind. Um, and of course the biggest example is like Dr. Who. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and like the doctor gets to be this incredibly well-rounded, interesting character who gets to like eat fish fingers and custard. Um, but at the same time, like you do feel the tragic weight of being the only one of your kind. And it is on, the girls only get the tragic weight. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Dr. Who actually faces the same problem of all of these impossible and women but, with uh, eat, Shit, Stephen Moffat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this uh, is a Stephen Moffat hate account. <laughs> well, all of these like impossible women who like have this whole crazy thing about them, but we're not going to talk about it that much. Because um, it's be- not real. Before I get too angry, let's talk about the woman of the hour, which is Tracy. Oh, poor Tracy. I think that Damn. actress is adorable. Yeah. I think she's pretty good. Big, big eyes. She's. She's. Skeletal. Very, yeah, spiny, yeah. I was going to say, which is helpful for the whole, like, absolute disgusting, beautiful body horror that is the tail ripping out of her spine. It's been a while since we've seen something truly gross, and I was happy to see it. Tracy is obviously experiencing total unreality. Oh, because she thinks she is in a night terror, and she is hallucinating. She, every time... Um well, when she sees Scott and Styles, she hallucinates them as the Dread Doctors. And so I guess my assumption, because they never um, really go behind her eyes again, um, is that she sees the Dread Doctors everywhere she goes. Yeah. So, of course, she kills them because they are the ones who are her terror. Well, I have a question about this, about yeah. this particularly particular aspect of how she's experiencing things. They keep saying that she's attacking the people who have tried to help her. Is that because those people are like healers and that is why she's perceiving them as the dread doctors what is it about them in particular or is it just bad writing i actually um they do Uh. not they do not give us an example of this but like if someone is trying to help you um it means that they are close to you and they notice when something's wrong which certainly would apply to her dad and her psychiatrist so um and Lydia's there, mom. And Lydia's mom. There's nothing to suggest Natalie. that... Natalie. Her name is Natalie. <laughs> Natalie. I hate Martin. when people do that to female characters. Yeah. Well, her they, name is But Natalie. they like very... They very infrequently 
Use her name. Use her name. In the same way that we have never called the sheriff Noah, except for once, and I felt weird about it. I felt weird about it. Um, I, I... I kind of wish there was some sort of indication of whether or not the dread doctors have kind of like a, a leash on her or some sort of influence that um, would make her want to take out the people who might be noticing that something is wrong because they're trying to create successful chimeras. They don't want her to die. And if she, you know, it, it succeeds in becoming this new kind of creature, like people are going to notice and you can't be noticed. Why does it work on Theo? Do they ever explain that? Or is he just hashtag built different? I can't remember. I used to think that it might have just been because he is like two compatible animals to put together. Yeah. Like a were canima. That'll fuck you up. Jackson still has a tail. Jackson still has a tail. Yeah. Oh, and in terms of, of, of um, Tracy... She is obviously going through this whole thing, experiencing a life that nobody has ever seen, but also nobody has ever seen previous to her uh, transformation. She exists in like a reality always separate from other people's, and that must just be so lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, we never hear about Tracy's friends in the time that she's on this show. It really seems like she doesn't have any. Yeah. Um, um, and that it, it just saddens me deeply. Well, there's also no real particular reason why Lydia would be the one to come and kind of snap her out of whatever's going on at her locker beyond her mom being a guidance counselor. Or beyond just Lydia being an empathetic person who knows that something it might be up with Tracy. But we don't know who Tracy is. Yeah. Well, we assume she's in Liam's class. Yes, because... Well, I, we don't know, actually, because She Hayden's might not like, be in she's history, not. but I think she is supposed to be younger. Okay. Um... So, oh, a siren. Haven't been one of those oh, for a while. Well, Chicago's getting spicy. It adds a little bit of a little bit of spice just to some, our episode. Just a little bit of flair, you know, yeah. to remind you of like impending doom while we're talking about Teen Wolf. Every once in a while. Um, oh, and the train's going by. Yeah. Damn. City life. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really sad. And it's really sad, I think, when Malia, who also has been experiencing like basically coyote rules this whole time, is in a position to kill her and then is in a brief moment of like extraordinary, like understanding realizes that Tracy isn't there at all. You know, they are not in the same place. And that is what ultimately stops Malia from killing her. And I like to believe that Malia just wouldn't kill her at all anyway for like human being reasons. Um, But this whole episode kind of sets it up in the way that to say that Malia basically has the capacity to kill and it is when she understands that their realities are different, that she breaks away from them. Yeah. Well, and I find that so interesting because she has Scott when she leaves the animal clinic saying, save her. Um, and she's got Lydia who's trying to tell her so desperately that Tracy is not there. She's not at home. Mm -hmm. Um, and ultimately like it just does, it just seems like, something within Malia's own heart and not because she's being dictated by other people. Like she recognizes something in Tracy, um, which would be great if it had more of a, a moment, but yes. Should we move into Q's nose? Let's do. I thought we were talking about the- Theo, but he isn't, he's just playing mind games. He's, he's mm-hmm. very small in this episode, but I think that he is like negligible. Sorry, Cody Christian. We <laughs> love you, but it's not this episode. Uh, do you have any questions? No. I think I asked my question. 
I mean, I truly feel like the deeper we get into season five, it literally is just one big question. I don't know what's going on. I do not know what's happening. The, well, there is an element. There is an element of things getting so confusing where you're like, I'm going to stop asking questions because it's not worth thinking about it. I literally, I remember when I was going through this season the first time and I would go to the Wikipedia page and I would read the synopsis of the and episode. And you would text me and I'd be like, I don't fucking know what's happening. <laughs> like, did I miss something? Yeah. I do not have any questions. Um, do you have any observations? Um, yeah, they, uh, make some, you know, commentary about people who want to be cops. Um, because it turns out that, that Donovan has applied to be a deputy at some point. It is a well-known fact that people there are, there is a, you know, a problem with people who want power in their lives, taking positions in law enforcement. We've been experiencing that full blast as you guys have been listening to on the Teen Wolf Free Wolf because we don't shy away from talking about it. And not just publicly, but like statistically, a huge number of law enforcement officers are domestic abusers. Like, um, it's just an epidemic. Yeah. Um, and that is something that this is the first time. Well, here's the thing. The commentary that those are the type of people who want to be cops is good. The commentary that they don't make it is wrong. Yes. And for a show that is remarkably pro-cop at a minimum. I wouldn't call it copaganda. Like the sheriff is good. Yeah. Well, he is like specifically positioned as like one of the good ones. And you want to have faith in your elected officials as sheriffs are. Yeah. If he was the chief of police, would it be different? Um, probably. I actually, um, don't, I'm not really clear on the, um, political differences. I guess I'm not either. And here we are trying to like assert. Yeah. But I mean like the, the sheriff clearly is like a law enforcement figure and he has always been super helpful. Um, and you know, styles goes on to, you know, FBI training. So it's not a, an, would it be worse if it was CIA? Show? I feel like it would be worse if it was the CIA. Oh, 100%. It would be worse if it was the CIA. The, they could not do that. Um, but That's yeah, they, they 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 do like a, uh, they, they put a toe in understanding that the cop elements of, of Teen Wolf aren't always. Um... Which is, you know, honestly, the thing that really frustrates me, and I think about like Teen Wolf in particular, but also just about other shows who ki- that kind of feel like they need to be making a specific statement, is that it so often like misses the mark. And I would rather you not make a statement at all and just be culturally aware of what you're making. Yeah. 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 So. Um. Yeah. So. We. We. I. I don't know. Do we leave neutral on that? I. Well. The show is over. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, also, and I, I also, yeah. like, it's... Were we having conversations like this at the time? Yes. Yeah. Because I think that around the time that season five was airing, I was in my early parts of college, so we were having big conversations about it. But were we having conversations we're having about it now? No. No. Also, um, just in general, being an American, and I don't know if this resonates with other countries, but, like, copaganda is something that is built into the fabric of our entertainment industry, and it is impossible to escape it. Yeah. So, we, we had the conversation about uh, yeah, SVU and about Hawaii Five-0 and... Um, NCIS and even psych and even psych. Yeah. yeah. Which is and a show Brooklyn that I love. Nine, yeah. It's, it's there. So yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Are, are we, is Teen Wolf is not better or worse than any of those things because they're staple in American media. It is just the thing that we talk about on our podcast. Yeah. Should um, we? No, someone's going to be like, you guys sound dumb as hell. And yeah, this is a Teen Wolf podcast. <laughs> uh, I have some non-cop observations. Um, I was so affected by um, Lydia getting kind of like stabbed by Tracy's tail because it was such a clear allusion to what happened to Allison. Oh my God. Yeah. I was sitting there and I was like, why am I so upset? I'm really emotional. I'm so emotional. It's because, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really, I loved the effect of Kira's Foxfire. It kind of reminded me of when you see, um, like video of the sun and like the licks of, fire that come off the that's sun. funny i think it looks like a light leak in a uh disposable camera picture uh all good things yeah actually we should start using disposable cameras again all of i my, agree all of my pictures from my first couple years at summer camp were taken on a disposable camera and they're just so cute because i was like eight years old and just point clicking at everything mm-hmm. um that's our summer goal disposable camera pics. they're so freaking expensive i keep looking for film for my polaroid um, and it's like 20 bucks for eight photos, which well, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because well, then like, we have <laughs> to tell people to donate to the coffee. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because actually, um, fun fact about Polaroid is that the, the, um, film packs are the battery. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you can't use your Polaroid without the film pack. So I guess it, that's why it's so expensive. But anyway, disposable cameras. Yeehaw. Um, uh, any other observations? Well, I feel like you're going to talk about. Um, body horror, which was kind of my other. I did have a lot to say thing. about body horror. Okay, so first and first, mostly, actually, I just want to say that that moment at the beginning where Styles is like, "If you're dating a man, Dad, it's okay." I was like, "Ally, ally." <laughs> also, we know, we know it's okay. We know it's okay. It's, this is Teen yeah, Wolf. This is Teen Wolf. Um, are they the best at gay representation? No, not a single bi person, not a lot of lesbians, but it's okay if the sheriff is gay. <laughs> at least they're normal to gay people. Again, this is what I'm saying. Like, just be normal. Just be normal. Just be normal. But it would be great if they were normal with lesbians on the team. Yeah. Where are, it, where like, are the dollar beans? Because we can sit here and be like, if you had Ken and Scott as trans, I totally believe that and, and you know, support that. Respect. It would be way more interesting if he was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, I also want to say... Uh, I, we, it's been a while since we've had creature villains. Mm. I said to you, like something that makes season two so good is that the villain is a creature yeah, being controlled by Matt and then later Gerard, but like it feels so otherworldly and alien and so, you know, um, uncomfortable in our world. And seeing that again has been a great joy, especially Canima's. They dropped that so fast. And I think the Canima is such a good villain. Mm-hmm. I miss season two. Do I? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to unpack that statement. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, there was some, as much as there was silver Sharpie, which boo, there was also some really excellent body horror in this episode. When her her basically the skin on her back cracks open and her tail is released from her spine after seeing and this is always the best when you see things move under skin this episode wasn't scary but it was unsettling and i love that i feel like it's been a while since we had a real moment where we're like oh gross Mm mm-hmm yeah. Oh, the 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 shot that is literally just her spine, and it's like meaty and bloody and disgusting. And Brilliant. I was like, the the fact that they didn't just cut away to her tail rising out, 
Um, but they actually like kept the, the camera yeah, was let me on look. it. I want to see, this is why I like watching botch. I want to <laughs> see, I want to look at it. And when I say that to people are like, you watch botched. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you watch love Island? Let us have, let me have my garbage. People have their things. Love botched. Um, let's move on to, uh, pack stats and alpha of the week. It's, <laughs> I feel like we're dragging on at this point. Pack stats. Yeah, um, we had six eyes, lots of like look up, look downs. There were some fishing eyes, mm-hmm. you know, when the sound track goes ching and their eyes go boom. Yes, and originally, like, I, I thought this was great that Tracy's eyes were um, glowing yellow, but eventually they turned into the Kanama slit goat eyes looking yeah. stuff. It was really good. Um, goat eyes really freak me out. Otherwise, I think goats are great. Um, one claws and one shirts because there's just like some stupid, stupid scene of Brett playing lacrosse shirtless that was so fucking unnecessary. And it felt baity. Like literally, especially because you're, if you're not going to actually have Mason and Brett to get together, I was like, I don't want to see some teenage boy without a shirt that who's obviously fucking 25. They were like, you know, no one's been naked on this show for a long time. Uh, Theo was naked last episode and he was like naked. Yeah, but it's not for the, we just shot his shoulders. Well, I'm also just sort of like, <laughs> it's no longer for me because there is sort of an element in my brain where it's like, I kind of forgive the nudity in the earlier seasons because I was a teenager watching that and I'm an adult watching it now with the understanding that they were all adults and mm-hmm. now they all just feel too young. I'm like, put your shirt on young boy, young, young man. Yeah. However you want to like conceptualize that. True. Um, do there you, was ooh. an ad actually for the first time in <gasps> so long. Uh, Malia is driving her brand new, to- her brand new. Toyota. Where, why haven't all the Chevys in this show? I don't know. Well, no one's been driving. No one's like been driving. Yeah. No one's been driving. Also, except the, for the Jeep, Jeep is just not an ad, you know? No, because it is a character. It's a character. On the show. Yeah. Um, and oh, wait. Speaking of cars as characters, you had a really, I want to go back to your observations. You had a really good point about uh, Supernatural. Oh, yeah. Um, there is an episode in Supernatural called Family Remains, which is one of the scariest fucking things I've ever watched in Disgusting. my entire You're life. welcome. Um, and one of the conventions in Supernatural, if you're not familiar with it, is that um, ghosts, especially, and I'm not sure about other supernatural creatures, but they can't cross a line of salt. I don't think demons can, but it's been a while since I've brushed up on <laughs> the lore. Um, Sam voice the lore and one of the absolute scariest moments in Supernatural is in Family Remains when they have these um, they have this girl who's going around you know snatching people you know murdering them and they put down their line of salt and they think that they're safe and she crosses it because she's human because she's human and of course the scariest monsters are always human and when they put down the mountain ash um in deaton's office tracy is able to cross it immediately no problems and she even breaks the line terrifying it is so scary terrifying because you're like that should not exist in this world that does not exist in this world as i know it and that is why it's so scary and it reinforces what deaton was saying in the previous episode about how the rules are not what he thought they were yeah which is so scary moving from known to unknown quantities yeah. i'm happy we went back and did that observation though because we did have another siren which round, rounds out the back stats brings us up to two sirens two. it's been a while since we've had any so i think it's good that we got a double do you have an alpha of the week um you know that's hard i feel like my alpha of the week is malia yeah yeah malia or actually maybe even kira tracy i think the girls did the most heroic stuff Tracy did actually die, but Malia didn't kill her. Yes. So. Well, and, you know, 
Kira did all of the badass ninja stuff while fighting her, and Lydia is Lydia is in the position of somehow like being the one who's holding the hands of the other two girls and leading them forward, but also experiencing life totally in the worst way ever, and she just manages to keep doing it. She's like, we just go forward, ladies. Like, this is the best. So I think that it goes to the girls. I agree. I endorse. Rubber stamp. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to wrap it up? Sure am. Guys, if you like this podcast, um, you guys can follow us on Twitter at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr at TeenWolfReWolf and our Facebook, which is Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast. It's a group. You answer the questions. We'll let you in. You get to talk about Teen Wolf. There's so many awesome people in that group, and everybody has such cool things to say about Teen Wolf. If you really like this podcast, I hope you leave us a review on iTunes. Um, it helps us find new listeners. We'll read out your five-star review and give you a shout-out on whatever social media you tell us you reviewed on. Um, and if you really, really like this podcast, I promise your coffee donation will not go to Julia's Polaroid fund. It goes to we funding promise. our podcast. It just covers the expenses that we um, take on to do it. Uh, and that's just ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. If you guys have funds you want to donate, that's crazy and we appreciate it, but we're just not asking. Um, and I think that wraps it up without further ado. I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, Uh, woo! woo.